Hello, hello, hello. This is the Vanilla JavaScript Podcast. I'm Chris Ferdinandi. Thanks for joining me. Uh, today, I'm going to be talking about why I still use XHR instead of the Fetch API. But first, a few quick updates because it's been a little while. Um, the Vanilla JavaScript Academy, which a lot of folks have been asking about, is going to be returning in the fall. If you head over there now, you can sign up to get updates when um, spots for that open up, and you'll also get some exclusive discounts. Um, I also wanted to let everybody know that on October 18th, I'm going to be running a free virtual conference on Vanilla JavaScript that um, is going to talk all about how to build a lean, more resilient, more um, simple to work with web. Uh, it's going to cost nothing. It's online, so you can watch in your sweatpants. It's going to be awesome. Um, so if that's something you're interested in, head over to vanillajsconf, that's C-O-N-F.com um, to register your spot and get a free ticket. Um, oh, and Vanilla JS Academy is at vanillajsacademy.com. All right, cool. Enough with that. Let's uh, dive into today's show. So over the last year, I've had quite a few people ask me to write about the Fetch API for making AJAX requests. The truth is, though, I still prefer using good old-fashioned XHR, and today I wanted to explain why. Um, first, let's, I guess, just take a quick overview of the differences between the two. Um, so um, a traditional HR request involves a couple of steps, and I think this is why people are kind of resistant to it. So you need to set up a variable, let's say XHR, and assign new XML HTTP request um, to that variable. Then you want to set an on ready state change to that XHR element, so xhr.onReadyStateChange equals function, and that's going to be your callback that runs when um, your request changes. In that callback, um, you're going to make sure that the XHR ready state property doesn't equal four, um, or equals four rather. If it doesn't, the request isn't complete, because um, this will fire as it moves through the whole um, slew of steps of the XHR process. And then when it's actually done, you're going to do two things. You're going to um, you're going to make sure that the request is successful. Um, so does XHR.status property um, fall somewhere between 200 and 299? Um, if it does, it's a successful request, and you can do something. If not, um, it failed, and you can do something else if you want. And then once you've kind of set all that up, you're going to do xhr.open to actually make your request. Um, so you'll pass in the request type, whether it's get or post or delete, whatever, and then the URL you want to make your request to. And then finally, you'll use the xhr.send method to actually send that xhr request that you've set up. So that's really, really, it's a little bit involved. Um, and here's what that same call might look like with fetch. Um, use the fetch function, um, open parentheses, your URL, <laughs> um, followed by a dot then and a callback function. Um, and that's going to take your response and do something with it. So you're going to return response.json. Uh, and then you'll chain another then function to that. Uh, or then callback function with your actual data, and you can do something with it. Um, so at first glance, the Fetch API seems to be a lot simpler and a lot more straightforward. Um, the one, I guess, kind of hiccup there is there's that second then method, because response uh, the response that you get back initially doesn't contain the actual data in readable form. It's, it's the thing called a string. So you need to pass the response JSON, which is a method 
on the fetch object along to get the actual data and do something with it. But otherwise, it, it's still pretty clean. It's readable, um, or at least it seems to be. From my perspective, though, this is all an illusion. Um, and the fetch API represents a failed promise. You see what I did there? It's a, it's a really lame pun. Um, as I get older, I tend to use those more and more. Um, the simplicity of the fetch API falls apart pretty quickly once you start dealing with error handling. So for example, let's say you type the input wrong. Um, instead of, um, let's say the endpoint was like slash posts, you typed slash postes, you, you stuck in an extra S. In the XHR version, you would just add an else statement to that, um, you know, that if uh, if clause to make sure that the status property is is right. So where we had XHR status um, somewhere between 200 and 299, um, you know, you do else, and then you could handle that error. It's pretty simple. With fetch, you need to add a catch with a callback. Um, so You've got fetch, then return your response JSON, then do something with the data, catch, and then you can handle um, you know, a callback to, to process the error. Um, that's totally fine. That seems reasonable. Um, the problem is the XHR version um, returns the error as expected, but the fetch API returns a successful call. It doesn't actually catch the error. Um, what's that about? So here's what's going on. Uh, promises returned from fetch won't reject an HTTP error status even if the response is an HTTP 404 or 500. Instead, it resolves normally with an OK status set to false and will only reject on network failure or if anything prevented the request from completing. So as long as a request goes through, even if the data or status is an error, it's still going to register as a success. And that was taken from the Mozilla Developer Network page on Fetch. Um, so in other words, even if your call fails, Fetch treats it like a success, which is kind of ridiculous, right? So to make the above call work as expected, you need to check if the response OK is true and then return your data or throw an error accordingly. So in that first then callback function, you need to do if response OK, return response JSON. Otherwise, you need to return a new promise um, with a uh, reject on it. Um, and uh, within that, you'd pass through an object with the status and the status text so you could do something with it. Um, but you're not done. So um, Zell Lu explains in his detailed primer on this on CSS tricks that it's not enough to tell our catch statement it's a bad request. We need more information to tell us what's missing. Did your user forget their first name or email, maybe credit card information? We won't know. The solution is to return a promise that contains two then calls. This way we can first read what's in response JSON and then decide what to do with it. So he suggests setting up a handling function that you pass into your first then callback. Um, so it's literally a second um, like chained then that's making this promise. and either returning the JSON or returning a reject. Um, and I'll link to this in the show notes, um, along with a few demos so you can see all this stuff in action and the original article where I, I kind of cover all this stuff in detail. Um, but even then, it isn't enough because it doesn't account for XML responses, only JSON. So to do that, you need to get the content type from the response headers and do a conditional check on that. 
And this is where I officially throw my hands up in the air and say to hell with it, because this is complete and utter madness. I think most people think of the Fetch API as this high-level helper that makes API calls easier. And at first glance, it is. But once you get into actually working with it, you realize that Fetch is actually a low-level API that requires a lot of scaffolding around it. It gives it tremendous flexibility, but it takes away from the ease. The Fetch API works in all modern browsers, but has no IE support. It only works in Safari 10 and up, and Edge support starts at 14. Honestly, this doesn't seem easier to me than XHR. Error handling is weird, and browser support sucks. So why do people like the Fetch API? In a word, promises. When working with APIs, you might need to make an API call, then get that response and make another call, and then another one, or do something with the data. And this can result in nested XHR calls several layers deep. The Fetch API uses promises, so you can just chain then methods together as many times as you need to to keep working with your data. Um, you know, For example, you could return a new Fetch call using the ID of a post you got from the previous one. Um, and it's just you know chaining then, make another call, chain then, make another call. Uh, really nice and simple. The thing is, you can get the benefits of this using XHR2. And that's what I think I'm gonna use the rest of uh, today's show to talk about. So um, this is an approach called, called promise-based XHR. Um, and uh, you know, that chaining thing that I described, or that nesting thing where you, you know, with XHR you have uh, an XHR call inside an XHR call inside an XHR call. That's often referred to as callback hell, and it can get really overwhelming after a while. Um, it, it's just not a nice, clean way to structure your code. Um, you can make XHR promise-based by wrapping it in a promise object. Um, so to do this, you might set up a function called make request that accepts a URL and the method you want to use as arguments. Um, inside there, you would do all of the stuff we talked about earlier, where you set up your new XMHL request. Um, uh, and then, um, I shouldn't say all the stuff, actually. So instead of um, setting up your XHR handler like you would in the old version, you're instead going to return a new promise method. And inside that, you're going to pass in um, a callback that has function with resolve and reject as two arguments. And then all of that XHR on ready state change stuff that you had before gets tucked inside there. Um, inside your if statement where you check if the errors between 200 or the statuses between 200 and 299, you'll, um, you'll call resolve, uh, the resolve method with the request passed into it or the XHR object passed into it. And inside your else, where you know you you handle the error status codes, um, you would pass in reject. And now you have a um, uh, oh, and then obviously you want to make sure you uh, you open the XHR request and send it, um, and that all goes in your make request function as well. And again, I'm gonna link to all this in the show notes so you can actually see this in action. Um, but once you do that, um, you can then make an XHR request using this helper function and chain it with then and catch, just like you would with fetch. Only the error handling is just taken care of for you. You don't need to worry about, well, the call was successful, but the error, the, you know, the status was an error. That's just all baked right in. Um, 
And, uh, you know, if you want to just kind of skip all this and make it super easy for you, um, I recently converted my XHR plugin Atomic, which I inherited from Todd Motto, um, over to use promises. Uh, and it's more or less set up the same as the code that um, we were just talking about, but it's, it's just already written for you. Um, you can go play with some live examples on the demo page to see how it works. Um, so the only problem with this approach is, as we talked about, promises only work natively in modern browsers. There is a promise polyfill that pushes support all the way back to IE7. Um, I'll link to that in the show notes. Um, that's also baked into Atomic. So there's two versions, a standalone version if you already load your own polyfills um, and one that comes with that baked in if you don't. And you can also load polyfill IO, which includes a promises polyfill natively. Um, so anyways, that's that. Um, I am an XHR fan. Um, I do not like fetch. Uh, I don't use fetch. Um, and at this time, I'm kind of recommending you don't either. Uh, if you have any questions, uh, you can hit me up on Twitter or email. Head over to gomakethings.com slash about to find um, links to both of those. Um, and just a quick reminder, if you want to check out the vanilla JavaScript conference, which is on October 18th, it's remote. It's 100% free. You can watch in your pajamas. Head over to vanillajsconf. That's vanillajsconf.com. Uh, you can also um, pre-enroll or you know sign up for notifications for when the next Vanilla JavaScript Academy goes live in early fall over at vanillajsacademy.com. Uh, that's it for today. See you next time. Hope you enjoyed this podcast. Cheers.